Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin Baseman, and I'm the producer of this podcast from the Taos News. This is the second part of a two-part series on the New Mexico 2024 legislative session. In the first part, which you can listen to on taosnews.com or anywhere that you are streaming our podcast, we have Representative Christina Ortez and Senator Bobby Gonzalez with their take on what happened during this session. This week on Voices of Taos, our assistant editor, Jeffrey Plant, is speaking to District 40 Representative Joseph Sanchez. So, Jeff, give us a little bit of a background what's been happening since the 30-day legislative session has ended and also maybe some things that came up that we should be aware of when you were talking with Representative Sanchez. Yeah, many of the bills that uh, Representative Sanchez and I talk about in this episode as well as uh, bills that we talked about in our previous episode with Senator Bobby Gonzalez and Christina Ortez uh, have been signed into law. We're still waiting for a lot of legislation to uh, get the governor's signature. Uh, But, for example, House Bill 195, uh, which allocates $125 million uh, into a revolving loan fund uh, specifically for workforce and affordable housing development and infrastructure development related to housing, uh, has been signed by the governor. That's significant for Taos uh, and communities like Red River, uh, which struggle for uh, have struggled for years uh, to really you know find places for their workers to live. And Taos, of course, has the uh, Taos Housing Partnership set up. We may be positioned pretty well to you know see people access this fund as as it evolves in the next year or two. Um, there's actually a, a deficit of 40,000 homes across the state, um, wow. I learned in a press release today from the governor's office, actually. That's according to Senator Michael Padilla, one of the, one of the uh, housing bill sponsors. Um, the governor is at Sierra Vista uh, Hospital, in truth or consequences, signing several consequential bills related to health care and hospitals. No pun intended with the consequential. Uh, and that includes two bills that will deliver millions in the coming years uh, to Holy Cross Medical Center here in Taos. It'll basically ensure that hospitals like Holy Cross, which serve a lot of Medicaid patients, um, will be better reimbursed for the patient care costs uh, that they provide. New Mexico has one of, if not the highest, uh, rate of Medicaid-insured people, and the state also has some of the lowest reimbursement rates. So that means that hospitals like Holy Cross uh, don't quite make back what they put out in terms of services in the you know cash reimbursements they get from the federal government. So this is meant to subsidize that, to boost basically revenue at hospitals. And uh, keep them open and keep them local. And keep them open. We see hospitals closing across, across the country at a rapid rate and rural hospitals like Holy Cross uh, really do struggle to stay afloat. Let's see, what else is going on? The governor must sign all of this legislation that was passed in the last session by March 6th, or veto it, which she could do by simply not signing it. Uh, She can also line item veto things, and one bill we're still waiting to to see signed, and likely there will be some line item uh, vetoes in it, is the capital outlay spending bill. That's the annual bill. 
that this year has allocated a total of $19.3 million to uh, capital infrastructure projects across Taos County. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of money. Looking forward to that going to the places it needs to go. And Jeff, I know that Representative Sanchez talked about something called domestics in his interview with you. Mm -hmm. What exactly is he referring to? So this does tie into the capital outlay bill. Several mutual domestic water consumer associations, those are small water associations that provide drinking water for communities. Sometimes there's this view as maybe 28 households or as many as a few hundred households in these in these associations. There's several in Taos County. A lot of mutual domestic water consumer associations rely on capital outlay money to do basic projects like replace water lines, uh, replace wells, get new pumps, all kinds of stuff. And uh, Representative Sanchez told me that that is probably his number one priority as, as far as being a legislator, is making sure that water and wastewater projects are funded adequately in New Mexico. Awesome. Well, let's get to that interview. Yes, let's. Our guest on Voices of Taos today is District 40 Representative Joseph Sanchez. Welcome, Representative. Thank you for having me. It's a uh, it's uh, great to uh, be talking to you today. And you represent a, a small portion of Taos County, but also some communities adjacent to Taos County, like Angel Fire and uh, south of Penasco, Trampas, and Ojo Sarco area, uh, places that lots of families here are connected with. And your list of sponsored le- legislation and co-sponsored legislation, there was there was a number of laws that you tried to try to have passed that had to do with substance use disorder. Um, there was some funding for the Epic Duran Center in Las Vegas uh, and $400,000 uh, to study uh, the merits of establishing a state-run substance use disorder uh, rehabilitation center. Uh, can you tell us why that's important for northern New Mexico and what did, what did happen this session uh, in terms of supporting substance use disorder treatment? Well, as you know, uh, in northern New Mexico, uh, drugs, it's an epidemic that's uh, generational. Living in northern New Mexico, whether it's uh, Taos County, San Miguel County, Riba County, Mora County, it's an issue that's uh, really plagued the communities for, for decades. And uh, when I first became a lawmaker uh, four years ago, I was really involved in trying to get funding for oil recovery and uh, just... Um, the Las Vegas area, as you saw, the Epiduran uh, treatment facility. It's just important that we we have these resources for our communities. I know uh, we're we're trying at a grassroots level to start with our early childhood education, and we're trying to help f- from a from a young age just get a better education and things like that. But uh, for the people that are already uh, caught up in the the epidemic, treatments very very important. Uh, I know I've had uh, close family members, myself, friends been affected by addiction and I uh, just think that uh, many of us have to uh, deal with in uh, our families so uh, that's that's why it's one of the, the important things to me and and what's the what's the idea behind a state-run long-term residential rehabilitation facility I think the idea there is uh, just to get something more consistent throughout the state uh, I know I talk about northern New Mexico that's the district I represent where I grew up it's not just affecting us it's affecting the, the entire state so 
we're just take, trying to take a look to see if there's something we can do from a statewide approach to to help the issue. And there's a lot of money uh, being directed at at housing and building workforce housing, affordable housing, rehabilitating existing housing that could be could be put on the market for for workforce, uh, you know, employees like middle class folks as well as folks that maybe would qualify for affordable housing. Can you tell us about the uh, the revolving loan fund that was established this session? That that I think was one of the more significant pieces of legislation that passed. Yeah, it's just uh, giving opportunity to, uh, like you said, build affordable housing. I think the biggest issue we face right now is infrastructure. We have locations like uh, Santa Fe and Los Alamos that it's very expensive for people to live. But if you go down to the valley, the Espanola Valley, or if you go to the northern towards Taos, uh, I know Taos is getting expensive as well. Mm. Uh, We have a lot of uh, space in those areas. It's the infrastructure that lacks. Like where I live right now, I have a septic tank. I have a well. Uh, I can't drink the water from my well. So I think one of the big initiatives and my hope for this funding is that it goes towards uh, building infrastructure such as wastewater and uh, community water systems mm-hmm. so that we can uh, maybe start expanding some of that housing to these areas that are that are more affordable. And uh, it's already happening. You see a lot of people already starting to move to, to these areas. But one of the big big issues is the, the wastewater uh, lack of a system. Like I said, these septic tanks... Uh, are getting into the aquifer and uh, that the water is just not you can't drink it yeah. uh, due to the, the high nitrate content so um that's my hope that it that uh, some of that money go, goes towards towards that that's interesting uh, the town of taos recently dedicated quite a bit of funding to just that uh to they, they pledged to to build some housing funds that they'd received to dedicate it to building the water and wastewater infrastructure so that there were just that would be in place in order to build uh, homes is that's what you're talking about I think right and uh, Taos and uh, Santa Fe you know we have people uh, wealthy people coming in uh, every day due to the history and the nature and the the beautiful landscape unfortunately one of the bad things that comes with that is drives up home prices Uh, we've seen the effects of that many people uh, that have lived in Santa Fe, families that, that were there forever. You see a lot of them moving to places like Rio Rancho, uh, to Española, mm-hmm. places like that. So I, I think uh, if we can focus on maybe uh, developing those rural areas where uh, the, the market values aren't crazy high at this point, I think it, it's uh, it'll give us a better head start than, uh, I know we talk about building affordable housing in Taos and in Santa Fe, but uh that's just, I think, a small component. I think we really got to look at these uh, these other areas. Yeah, it's a very complex issue. I think. Uh, speaking yeah, of yeah, speaking of water systems, not simple. Speaking of water systems, um, I think Angel Fire got some capital outlay money for their water system. Right, uh, I did put money for that. That's one of their priorities. Most, I think, uh, a good chunk of the money that that I get allocated, uh, I put towards water systems, mm. including uh, Angel Fire. Truchas, Cordova, Chimayo, uh, Alcalde. These all these places have uh, systems that they're they're continuously expanding, and um, every everything helps. It's a big help, and we were able to get some funding to them. So uh, one of my priorities uh, over the the last few years has also been uh, helping them with with funding any way I can. Yeah. 
Um, and in the in the very southern part of of uh, Taos County, was there any were there any capital outlay appropriations that you made? They were mostly towards Osequias. Mm-hmm. I know I uh, I was trying to help uh, Casa Memorial. I know uh, the Osequia and uh, El Valle was trying to get a a building that belonged to the schools uh, transferred over to the Osequia. So uh, the capital outlay I was able to put was, uh, I know I put some money for for some equipment in that area and also towards the Sequias. Mm-hmm. And maybe moving back to water for a minute, I did notice uh, that uh, Penderes uh, out in San Miguel County got wa- uh, money for water system improvements, which called to mind uh, the Calf Canyon Hermit's Peak wildfire. And, and that particular water system was devastated by... Uh, by that wildfire. Right. I met with them real early in the, the session and uh, they mentioned anything I was able to give because there's a lot of grants that if you can get matching funds, sometimes they can leverage that to get more more money for their improvements. So I know I, I, I spoke to Pandere and uh, I, I also allocated some funding to them. It's a huge district. I cover five counties and uh, I don't get any more money than anyone else. So I, I try to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, make that money go as far as I can with these with with these small communities. And a lot of that district uh, was impacted by the wildfire in 2022. Uh, could you maybe give us a little update on infrastructure projects that are that are yeah. happening there? Yeah. Um, so I have the Mora County in its entirety in my district, and I have all the outskirts of Las Vegas, which was really the main part impacted by the fire. And uh, last year we put passed that $100 million uh, loan fund for those areas affected. And uh, a lot of that has been utilized by these communities. I guess the hope was that uh, they could get access for that money right away to make Mm -hmm. improvements. And then uh, as soon as FEMA paid those counties or uh, entities out, it would get paid back to the state. But uh, I know FEMA has been taking forever to to get that funding to to those communities. So... um, that's what we were able to do last year, but in terms of uh, like, uh, capital outlay, um, like I said, I, I put they created a water alliance in uh, Mora County, and uh, that's what I put part of my grow money for for operational money to help uh, fund uh, fund that. Because what they're doing now is they're uh, sharing resources like uh, water operators, and uh, uh, I'm actually pushing this idea in uh, real real Reba as well, where uh, these mutual domestics can work together and share resources. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to get them uh, funding through the state. So uh, that's been working really well in Mora. That's expanding to the Chama area in Rio Riba. So um, that's been real successful. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's a that's an idea that's been uh, floated here in Taos County as well because there's a shortage of water operators and all of these small mutual domestic and water association systems, they need to have a water operator, Right. Right. And uh, it's, it's tough. A lot of uh, you, you meet a lot of these people, and uh, they come from uh, older generations, and uh, they, they they tell me firsthand themselves that it's it's tough to get uh, people that want to take over or uh, that are interested in that. We're just trying to figure out creative ways to keep uh, keep those places operating. Yeah, and regionalization, I think, is is maybe one solution to that. That's something the environment department, the state environment department, has been pushing, right? Right, and the the good thing about these alliances is uh, a lot of these mutual domestics don't want to lose local control. But uh, when they when they join these alliances, uh, they're able to keep their local board. 
local control. It's just they're uh, working together as an alliance to share resources, like I mentioned. And that, like I said, that's been real successful. Mm-hmm. One last thing I'd like your help getting our, our listeners to understand is uh, what happened to the junior bill? This was a, a controversial bill a couple of years ago when the governor just vetoed the whole thing. It, it's a bill that contains you know, specific appropriations from specific uh, legislators to their district. And uh, this year that's changed and, and people are referring it to it as the GROW bill now. Can you tell us what the difference is between the junior bill and the GROW bill? Yeah, so uh, I'm sure most people are aware of what capital outlay is. That's money you can use to design or construct different things. The mm-hmm. junior bill was operational money where you pay for operations. So the growth, grow uh, that you're talking about, it's it's very similar to the junior bill. This case, though, it, it spans over two years, so it, it provides operational funding over a two-year period. Uh, so that's that's the biggest difference between the junior bill and the the grow. It's it's the the time frame uh, and the reasoning given for that is. I know the the chair of appropriations mentioned uh, with a two-year span, uh, it gives people more time to see if uh, something's working, as opposed to one year where uh, or an entity would only get funding for one year. It gives them a couple years to um, get going and hopefully uh, get things going on where uh, they can be self-sustaining. And we're we're headed we're well we're in an election year, and I think all of the representatives are up for election. So let's let's just go into the future and. Assume that you're reelected to office. Um, what what are your priorities for the for the next legislative session? Well, I think uh, a big thing. Uh, I want to continue to uh, get funding for uh, water infrastructure. Like I said, wastewater. I think we need to make that a priority. It directly impacts affordable housing, like I, we discussed earlier. Uh, water, I think, is the number one priority. The other thing is. Uh, trying to figure out how we make our state more business friendly. I know uh, we've we've relied on oil and gas quite a bit, but uh, everyone knows we need to start diversifying. And the way to diversify is by bringing in uh, business to our state that's, that's uh, not related to oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do that, we also be a, have to be an attractive state for these businesses to want to come here. So I think we got to start looking, uh, figure out what places like uh, Arizona, Colorado, and Texas are doing because uh, those places are blooming. Just got to figure out a way to diversify our economy. Uh, probably half our uh, state's operational budget comes from oil and gas. And uh, if that all goes away, like uh, we can't just raise double our taxes. You know what I mean? We got to <laughs> we got to figure out how to uh, bring in other sources of revenue. So uh, I think those those are my two big priorities right now and uh like you mentioned uh addiction things like that those, those are always important so um those are a few things that I, i'm really focused on well thank you representative and thank you for joining us on voices at house we really appreciate having you appreciate uh, your time uh thank you thank you for joining us for voices of taos a podcast by the taos news Produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Our music was produced and arranged by Miles Bonney, featuring musicians Francisco Velarde, Ruben Hernandez, and Margot Macias. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos. <laughs>